Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas just mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, guys? You're listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Faiz here. The Knicks are on a 4-0 run after that OG Anunobi trade. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the game that took place last night, the Knicks thrashing the Wizards, and some more. Make sure you check out our website, nickdashish.com. Cop yourself some exclusive Nickish gear. We got all sorts of colorways uh, in a sort of subtle alternative is what, is what we like to call it. Uh, it's, it's a different way to express your Knicks fanhood. So copy your Nickish gear today, where it's your next Knicks game. Uh, and bringing my guy Faiz, what is going on, man? How are you feeling this morning? Um, tired, you know, we're up a little early today to record for you guys. Uh, but but definitely excited about about uh OG Adonobi being on the Knicks. Like it it obviously as Knicks fans, I I try to watch every game, but I'll be honest, there's a lot of the times where if something else is of priority. I'll uh, take a second to to align my life, but it feels like since we have gotten OG Ananobi on the game, I on the team, I have not missed a game. Uh, it feels like we're playing with a shiny new toy, and it, it's so exciting to have a guy like OG Ananobi, a guy who fits like a glove on any roster in the NBA on our roster instead. So uh, yeah, glad to have a guy like OG on the team. It's interesting that you say that because, like, I think you you nailed it on the head there. The last couple of months for us here at Nickish was a little. You know, we we've been a little caught up with some some of us. So we all got different different jobs and you know different work going on. You know, some some people getting engaged, et cetera, et cetera. And um, you know, shout out to the people who are able to do podcasts every day. But for Nickish, our brand butters the gear that we make and the podcast is something that we do. Uh, we do weekly, and uh, we appreciate everyone listening in. But now that this this trade happened, it feels like the aura of Nick's basketball has changed a little. It feels like it did January two years ago after that that RJ buzzer beater and uh, the Knicks went on a run. It feels a lot like last year when the Knicks made that trade for Josh Hart and they went on a 9-0 run. And now after this OG trade, the Knicks are on a 4-0 run. And the, the schedule ahead doesn't look like it's the, it's a, it's the toughest knock on wood. We'll see what happens. But now uh, the, the, the aura of Knicks basketball right now just feels different than it did earlier this season because we, we weren't sure what this team was. Uh, the, the team didn't look... It, the team looks shaky. Uh, some games were good. Some games were bad. Mitch Robinson's good. Isaiah Harnstein is bad. RJ is flip-flop. You know, RJ Barrett, and that, that's no surprise. But now that this trade happened, it feels like there's just a level of continuity that we didn't see all season. And we know who's playing what sort of role, and we know who's going to be taking on what position and who's going to be taking a shot and who's not. And uh, it's just a level of continuity that is is – you know, bring in some some nice and needed and necessary wins, and not just not just close wins, but wins in decisive fashion. Top, you know, first quarter to all the way to the fourth quarter, Knicks leading the way and just shooting ways that we hardly ever get to experience as Knicks fans. It's it's an incredible time right now for for the Knicks. Yeah, and I feel like uh, we've been on the pod the last few weeks talking about signature wins. The Knicks haven't really racked up those signature wins against some of the better teams. I mean, be it that um, a lot of the, the tough games we played were against the Celtics and the Bucks, and it felt like the Knicks really uh, weren't 
were punching up to 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 weight when it came to teams like the Celtics and the Bucks. Celtics are being a team that they haven't beaten yet. The Bucks being a team they only beaten once. But in this week itself, in January, in January so far, they've gotten two signature wins in a week where they beat the number one team in the West the first day they got an OG Ananobi. And yesterday, uh two days ago, beating the Sixers, who are uh the third seed in the East, that was definitely a signature win. And you know, a lot of Sixers fans complaining about they weren't at full strength. Listen, you had all three of your top players, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, and Joel Embiid. I don't want to hear any complaints. And then the Knicks go on ahead and in a back-to-back, um, uh, second night of a back-to-back, end up having a di- like a, a convincing win against the Wizards. And yeah, I know it's the Wizards. There's some times where we let the league go get up only up to five, but the Knicks got it right back up to 14 right after. And um, the two teams that they played, the Bulls and the Wizards, yeah, they let the rope go at certain points, being down 10 to the Bulls, but ended up being beating them by 16. I think both teams by 16. So, like, they're... Honestly, they're blowing out the good teams, and on top of that, they're blowing out the bad teams. So it seems like the Knicks are doing everything they're supposed to be doing. And some of that comes from OG Ananobi being plus 87 through the first four games of his career as a Nick. Like, and like we'll get into it a little bit more. He's not even playing offensively that great yet. He's just it's mostly just what he can do on the defensive end that we've seen so far. So yeah, I mean, that was gonna be my question to you. What's changed? What what is it that's making that's Flip the switch on this team. I mean, you mentioned OG Ananobi plus what was it plus 86? 87, I think. 87, four, four games. That's insane. <laughs> I think that's a franchise high uh for any player in his first four games, being be. you know at the at that level. And it, it comes also as a reason, you know, we, we don't want to harp too much on on plus minus, but there's you know, there's a certain factor and there's a certain like you know, brevity you got to put into it when it's that kind of when it's that high. And it also goes to show that, you know, the other players on the team are also putting in that kind of work and putting that kind of effort. And we'll we'll dive into, you know, specific players in a bit. But overall, I mean, OG Ananobi is a game changer. Uh, clearing up the space and the log jam that we had at the guard by trading away RJ Bear and IQ. And again, we're my initial reaction was that it sucked to let go of IQ. And, uh, it, you know, that still stands because he's killing it right now in Toronto. So, so shout out to both of those guys. But we did have a log jam at the position. And now that those two guys are out, that opened up the floor a little bit. And that, and I'm saying that figuratively and literally because we see we see uh, a spacing in the game that it's that's uh, that's uncommon. I mean, we see we see guys open left and right for the three. We see DiVincenzo shooting the three. We shooting we see Josh Hart lighting it up. We see Quinn Grimes as a resurgence. I mean, the man found his confidence and his mojo back. Uh, and you know. With, with with these guys all shooting lights out, we're the, we're seeing it on the box score. I also want to give a shout out to Tibbs because he has a he has a stock he has a roster stock full of new players on the team, and they're all playing like they've been playing together for years. Uh, everyone has a specific role they're going for. I mean, they're all playing hard nosed defense, and it looks like everyone kind of bought into the Thibodeau system, and it's working really well um, with with gathering these wins. So when it comes to Thibodeau. Faiz, how 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 are we feeling? Um, I mean, I feel like I feel pretty good about the way it like the thing is, it just looks like this this front office, instead of fully investing in a player, they're fully investing in our coach because they're getting him the players that he needs to be the most successful version of himself. And uh that comes with getting a backup center like Isaiah Hardenstein who could fill in for uh Mitchell Robinson. That comes with uh two two players like Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle who have been 
two of the best players and one of the best duos in the NBA because they've been scoring. I think they have the most 20-point games in the NBA. Like, they're the top five in the most 20-point games in the NBA. Only two players who are on the same team who have a, who have a stat like that. So I feel like uh, that like getting a guy like OG Ananobi, who's like who mirrors a, a Luol Dang type player. We mentioned that earlier last week in the pod. I feel like they're just really investing in him. So um, I feel like... He's doing a great job considering what he's getting. He's trying to experiment with lineups, and sometimes it could be kind of uh, clunky. It could look a little weird where they have minutes where there's neither Julius Randle nor Jalen Brunson on the floor, which I just think is a bad idea. This team, as for as good as it is, like oh, your two main creators are going to be J J uh, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, so I'd like to see one of either on the floor at all times, but you're seeing the rest of the team figure it out. Like the first two games without RJ and IQ, you saw it was a little bit of a culture shock for Deuce and Grimes because they're partially like sharing those extra minutes that RJ and IQ were, were taking up all the time. But now you're seeing in the, the, the last two games, they seem much more comfortable in their roles. And I think part of that comes from um some, some stats that I saw like RJ, RJ, um, if you're looking at a shot diet um, with seven plus dribbles, that was like 10% of his shots. With OG Adenobi, that's only about 1% of his shots. So OG Adenobi shooting about 56 to 57% of his shots with zero dribbles, where RJ was shooting 40%. So those shots have to come, the rest of those shots have to come somewhere. And it's unfortunate that it's not coming from OG Adenobi yet. Um, we're only seeing him take like about four, four threes a game in the last three games. So he's only making a three or two. Like in the first game he came, he was he made three for six. I'd like to see him shoot more threes, but Deuce and Grimes are uh, benefiting from that. And you're seeing, like, for example, Grimes, like he's not hesitating to let it rip. Like he gets the ball, he's shooting. And if he's not shooting, he's making a decision. And I feel like the rest of the roster has really benefited from the consolidation of the guards. Like you're seeing uh, Deuce and Grimes play at a level because – I, if I had to make a comparison, I would compare it to baseball, where you remember a player like IKF, I, Isaiah, from um, the, the Yankees uh, last few years. He's a third baseman who's asked to play shortstop. So when you're stretching players like Josh Hart telling him he has to play backup power forward, Quentin Grimes telling him he has to be a starter uh, as a shooting guard for the New York Knicks, like they're not positioned to play those those roles. But when you switch IKF back to third base or you switch Isaiah, um, uh, sorry, Josh Hart back to a role that he fits in, these players are going to be successful in their roles. And that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing a lot more of the old Josh Hart who can do things between the lines. We can, we're seeing a lot more of Grimes play uh, as a better backup shooting guard for OG Ananobi. He's not asked to, asked to to defend the best player on the other team. It's it's OG Ananobi who's asked to do that, which takes a lot a, a huge load off of the rest of the guys. Pause. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to put it. And you know, we're, we're, it's crazy to see that the Tibro that we're seeing on the court and we're just on the court on the sidelines right now is uh like the Cleveland postseason Thibodeau, where he's he's tinkering with the line, playoff Thibodeau, we'll call him, where he's tinkering with the line, he's actually doing what what fans have been asking for, where he's he's he is experimenting with the lineups, and I can't complain if he's experimenting with the lineups because we you know God knows we've just seen the same five guys play the same kind of role, and then you had the bench come in, no mixing and matching, uh, no kind of stretch four kind of way, but 
he has that opportunity now and it looks like he's starting to actually work with that and that's why we have lineups that like I, I couldn't tell you what the what the main lineups are we have, i could tell you the starting five but after that i probably couldn't tell you like yo what's what's what who's who's the guy who's the next guy coming up who's who's the guy after that like he is mixing and matching and that's why you know i i think it's a an important reason why teams are having trouble sticking with you know what the what the team is doing uh because it's it's all different players are coming at you and you you made a great point where, where these players are going back to their original roles and what they're comfortable with josh Hart should never have been a backup for i mean even if he picked up 15 rebounds the other night that guy is not supposed to be a backup for but now we have a backup for him precious and i mean we gotta we gotta acknowledge that the front office maybe knows what it's doing and again it's only been four games i don't want i don't want to jump the gun too much but they've proven it two seasons ago with the d rose trade they proved it last season with the josh hart trade and they they proved it this season with the og ananobi trade and you know we we like to think that this might not be the that might not have been the last move that they might have one more move up their sleeve because it looks like they are in dire need of a shot creator coming off the bench because when when it's just Deuce and Grimes coming up, it does look like they're not quite ready to take on that role yet. Even th even though they have stepped up, even though that it you know they they have been putting in the work, they're just not that guy yet. They honestly need an IQ kind of player or a Brogdon kind of player to to fit that that role to take the pressure off of Randall and Brunson. Because I mean, are are we ready to get into Randall a little bit? I mean, the way he's been playing, man, I'm I'm excited to talk about Randall. So yeah, All right, oh, let's yeah. let's move in. Let's move into Randall because right now, I mean, he set the tone last night against the Wizards. After that shitty ass performance he did against the the Sixers, where I mean, it didn't even matter because the Knicks were still up like forty points. He he came out, you know, guns a blazing and set the tone. Dropped thirty nine points on on their heads, and he's been playing like an all star, even better type of all-star than we've seen before. This might be the best kind of Julius Randle that we've we've seen in a Knicks uniform. Because right now, you know, he's not settling. He's not settling for long twos. He's not settling for a three. He's playing bully ball. I mean, man just realized he's built like a tank. And now he's taking and he's taken over and he's he's you know taking advantage of of matchups and just driving in. And you know he's not he's not only spinning, he's posting up a lot more and he's taking efficient shots, quick decision making and he's finding guys on the outlet to to take the open three and open, you know, corner shots. And it's looking awesome. But for me personally, I'm still a little wary because I, I have that PTSD of playoff, Randall. And I still need to see a guy get traded to the Knicks who can take the pressure off of Randall. Brunson, I'm not worried about. Brunson, Julius, uh, not Julius Brunson, Jalen Brunson <laughs> is... A superstar. That man is a one A player. From everything that I've gathered since uh, Becky Hammond said that ridiculous thing where Brunson is not a one A type of player. Brunson has stepped up in every way imaginable. He can he can he can make the tough shots. He can make the three, scoring about forty, averaging about forty five percent from the three, uh, dropping buckets left and right, going head to head with the best players in the NBA and killing them. That man is a superstar. He is one of the best point guards in the league right now. And uh, if, if Randall can fit into that role as a one B as a second player, not a one B as a second player. And we have a solid third player. I'm not put, I don't want to put that in OG. I don't know because I don't think he's, he should be the third player. I think he should be that guy that we, who focuses primarily on defense and trying to score about 15, 17 points per game. We get one more guy like that who can create his own shot. That's trouble for the NBA, man. 
Yeah, I mean, we're also seeing like a, a kind of a whole different type of Randall. Um, he's not shooting as great from three, but we're seeing him take three less threes a game, which um, I think is is fire for a guy like Julius Randall, who often settles for bad three point shots. His shot diet just seems a little a little bit more a little smarter, if I'll be honest. Um, we're also seeing like a little bit of a drop in his assist numbers, like where we saw him always averaging closer to five assists a game. This month, he's only averaging 3.5, which I'm okay with because it seems like those numbers are going towards Jalen Brunson, who's averaging close to 9.7 assists a game for the month. So uh, I have no problem with seeing this version of Julius Randle. He's also one of the few players to have four 30-point games since Christmas. So he's been really balling for this New York Knicks team. And um, I, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I have nothing bad to say about Julius Randle at this point, but a lot of it feels like a lot of the things that Knicks fans used to say about R.J. Barrett, where we were like, hey, you know, this guy Julius Randle, we got to get rid of him. He's holding, uh, he's holding R.J. Barrett back. But what if we never considered that it was the opposite? What if it's R.J. Barrett that was holding Julius Randle back from being this type of player? Because... Like, I don't want to, like, do laps in terms of, like, yeah, we already won, RJ's gone, blah, blah, blah. But that's what it's showing us right in front of us. Like, you know, in front of our eyes, we're seeing Julius Randle uh, operating with spacing. Like, we're always like, what if we saw RJ operating with spacing? Bro, what if we see Julius Randle operating with spacing? There's a lot of underrated parts of his of his game that we're not appreciating, like, we take his rebounding so much for granted, like him just grabbing nine boards as a guy who plays so much offensively for us. That's not normal. Like he, he has a high motor and I mean, you know, maybe this might be, uh, you know, strong last words or something about Julius Randle, but dude's been balling for the Knicks, man. And I'm, I'm happy to see the excitement he has, the pride that he has for playing in a New York Knicks Jersey last night, Clyde interviewing him and uh, him saying like Clyde saying, you know, shout out to you for getting uh, us and me and Willis Reed chatted out. First time two Knicks have had a 30-point game since us. And all Julius had to say was, shout out to you, OG. Like, I'm doing it just to be just like you, you know, with a big smile on his face. Like, showing that he really cares about New York culture, about the the, the legends who have done it before him. You know, the few that have. So, sh shout out to him, man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to throw out the hard question in that case. Are you are you off the Julius Randle trade train? I mean, like it's hard to say necessarily. Like maybe now I'm not an active proponent of the Julius Randle trade train. I'm not running around, especially now that that scoring we don't know where it's going to come from. Um, if it's for a superstar, obviously you know we have to consolidate whatever assets we have to consolidate to get a, a superstar. But I'll say I'm in the I'm on the train that I trust what. Leon Rose is about to do next. Like, even when that trade happened for OG, I was panicking. I was like, oh, my God, like, what What a bad deal. Like, I can't believe we got rid of IQ, RJ, and draft picks for this guy, OG Adenobi. He's expiring contract. Well, blah, blah, blah. He's only averaging 15 a game. Seeing this, like, seeing everything happen in front of us, it seems like it was a smart move to make. Even OG's points, I see why he only scores 15 a game because he's so locked in on defense. Sometimes you don't even need to score that 15 a game if you're so locked in on defense. And it seems like he's making the defenders around him even better defenders. Like I'm seeing Julius Randle play defense. And like <laughs> yeah. it's 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 definitely some of it's like graduation goggles, beer goggles, whatever you want to call it. But I hope it continues. I, yeah. I hope this type of play is it resonates through for the rest of the season. Like I mean, it was that Bulls game, right? Where where Demar Derozan was shooting what eight or nine or something, something like game, that. He Bulls missed one game. shot. 
And after OG checked back in, DeRozan didn't make a single point after that in the fourth quarter, and that's when we beat the Bulls. Bro, there was a highlight going around of him guarding two players at the same time, basically. Him getting Jamar and then getting the other guy. And I was like, this is what you pay him for, man. It's insane. I'm, I mean, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk endlessly about his contract extension at some point. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to to our guy, Kunal, because he was on, he was the conductor, at least here, for the Julius Randle trade trade. This man told me yesterday he bought a Julius Randle t-shirt. <laughs> no way. This Kunal man bought, owns a Julius Randle t-shirt. I don't right I don't own a Julius Randle t-shirt. Kunal owns a Julius either. Randle t-shirt. I swear to God, he told me this yesterday. I think like we were all talking yesterday. I think he stepped away for a second. That's when he said, <laughs> so, no, no, you're a little late to the call. And um, he's like, yo, man, I, I, I got sure. a Julius Randle t-shirt. It didn't come in yet, though. He got it like a week ago. And he's like, yo, I, I need to like wear this before like shit turns around again. <laughs> I've been <laughs> He starts playing like his whole place. I've had multiple opportunities to buy Julius Randle shirt, jersey, whatever it may be, but I just couldn't, like, you know, get myself to pull the trigger. Wow, Kunal already pulled the trigger. Wow, people might be, we might have to get him a Thibodeau jersey too while we're yeah. at it. You're right. So- You're right. <laughs> he's he's the one who told me, that, yo, like, we got we to gotta talk about his extension because that shit is coming up and we, we might not be able to, like, we might be forced to re-sign Tom Thibodeau to, to an extension and, like, He's not wrong because what what are you going to point to as a reason to not re-sign him? I mean, playoff success is crucial for this upcoming postseason. If we don't if we don't at least get close to the conference finals, then then that might be grounds to to let him go. But I'm not rooting for that. I want no, our team no, has to no, get no. to the conference finals at this point. No. I mean, at least make it to Game Seven, make it interesting. I mean, but no. Also, like coach contracts don't count towards the cap. Pay him. Let fire him after. I don't give a fuck. Like you exactly. should keep him right now, though, because he's the most winning coach in Knicks history in most in recent Knicks history. Like I have nothing bad to say right now because we're winning. We're we're having a good time. Like yes, do I feel like the team has another notch it could really come up to? Yeah, but I don't really think that's on Tibbs. I think that's just on some of the players playing a little better. Like we still haven't seen a game where OG Julius and Jalen. Brunson have played well all at the same time. The Timberwolves game, I think Jalen Brunson was shooting poorly from three, but Julius and and OG played well. Uh, the Sixers game, we saw a good game from uh, Julius and Jalen, but I mean, I'm sorry, just from uh, Jalen, but not from OG or Julius. Last night, we see a great game from OG and, and I'm sorry, from Julius and Jalen, but not from OG. So, like, this team isn't even firing on all cylinders yet. I think we still have more to see from them. Like, And we don't even have our best defender playing right now in, in Mitchell Robinson. And, I mean, you can make the argument now that OG is our best defender, and that's a very valid argument, but... We have we have one and two OG and Mitchell Robinson. If those two guys are playing together, it's lockdown. That's it. Penitentiary style is done. And um, shit, what was I gonna say? Lockdown. I mean, now that you mentioned Mitchell Robinson, we should talk a little bit about about a little bit about his backup center Isaiah yeah. Hardenstein. Who's yeah, been I was playing gonna, I was, for Thibodeau real quick? I was gonna say, uh, what, what name one player that's regressed while playing under Thibodeau? I can't name any. I mean, we've seen a, we've seen a, an evolution of of Julius Randle since since we got him over the last five years. I mean, Brunson's playing his best his best basketball of his life this season. Isaiah Hardenstein, you're you know we're gonna get to him in just a second. Mitchell Robinson is playing at a whole nother level. I mean, we saw IQ improve. Divincenzo dropped thirty eight points last weekend. I mean, I mean, like I think he should have close to forty from three. Eight, yeah, and, and Grimes has gotten better. Miles McBride just 
just had a putback dunk last night. He's he just got re-signed to another contract. I mean, which player has regressed under Tom Thibodeau's watch? Not that many over the last couple of years. But yeah, we gotta talk about Isaiah Hartenstein because this this man is a monster. I'll let you I'll let you take it. Yeah, I mean, like, talk about a guy who's filled in for 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 Mitchell Robinson at like seamlessly. Like it's it's insane to see a guy like like him who we just never thought he would have the pedigree to be the player that Jalen, I mean, that uh, Mitchell Robinson was. But man, Isaiah Hartenstein, two games in the last four, one with 19 rebounds, one with 20, a five assist game. And there's just some things that he could do on offense that Mitch just can't do. And that's not to take anything away from Mitch. It's just to say that Isaiah Hartenstein has a lot of qualities that Mitch has in terms of offensive rebounding, putbacks, but the assists, the, the little like, push shot from 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 the free throw line like you're not seeing Mitch do those things and it helps open up the floor for the rest of the guys and uh like he reminds me a lot more of that Joakim Noah role that that Tom Thibodeau had on those mm. Bulls rosters I mean not to compare fully because Joakim Noah was an MVP candidate some of those seasons so he was on a whole different level but we're seeing a lot more of that instead of the anchor the only the anchor on defense that Mitchell Robinson was and I don't say that to say that I think Isaiah Hartenstein should fully take over Mitchell Robinson's role I know he's injury prone I know everything but I still believe in Mitch and I I just can't like like if we're keeping teams to 100 points per game without Mitch a, a roster would OG Ananobi and Mitch, I don't think teams could score over 90 on us. Like that that would be nuts, <laughs> nuts like to see that. So uh I'm I'm not like out on Mitch. I'm just really excited about Isaiah Hartenstein and I yeah. really hope we're able to extend him. I mean, him we we just saw him go up against the reigning MVP and Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid was the game lowest minus 29. And I mean, he still dropped 30 points, but we we saw Hardenstein put in work against him. and Multiple Isaiah blocks was... against Gobert and against Embiid. Yep, and this guy was supposed to be just known as a backup center. Mm-mm. This guy has proven he's capable of being a starting center, even if it's not long-term for the Knicks because we, we got Mitchell Robinson. This man deserves to get paid, and he will get paid as a starting center at for, for some team. And if he's a backup center for the Knicks, then God bless we fucking killed it <laughs> with that signing. I mean, over the last three games, he's averaging, like you said, double-digit points, double-digit rebounds. He's leading the NBA in steals and blocks, by the way. Again, it's only been a couple of games. We're only a week into the, week into the year. But this year, right now, Hardenstein's leading the league in, in steals, blocks, and he's second in rebounds. Is that not insane for a guy who we just said was our backup center? I mean, <laughs> shit. I mean, he, he, he's, he has like a plus 80-something as well over the last couple of games. And... He's he's bringing in energy. He can make his free throws. He's just shooting at a high clip. With he's also like a huge him. part of the locker room. Like you're seeing that yep. uh, IQ IQ still like commenting on his IG posts. Like they're still having back and forth. Him and and Josh Hart are cool. Him and Mitchell Robinson. After every game, you'll see Mitch say something good about him. Like he's an integral part of this locker room. So hopefully that could get a little bit of a family and friends discount when, when the extension comes about. But I'll say like, if teams aren't jumping at, at the stake to offer him max, like a lot of money, not a max contract, but the max money that he can earn. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't want to just stick with a, a, a team that gave him a chance and is a team that he's comfortable with. If we're paying him the right amount of money, I'm not saying he's going to take a minimum or something, but if we pay him what he earned and deserved, why would he stay with us? Like why, there's no reason that he shouldn't be a Nick. 
Yeah, I mean another top tier signing by the front office. I, I'm not trying to sound like a like a homer here, but goddamn, man, it's it's hard not to point to contracts that the Knicks have signed that this front office has signed that's just panned out in a really good position. You know, outside of the Nerlens Noel resign, Alec Burks resigning, I mean, there aren't that many signs that this front office has done that didn't pan out. We got Hardenstein, well, we got go ahead. Even those signings, like you saw them get out of it real quick. Like I'll say, I'll I'll admit it myself. Like there was a year, the, the Kemba Walker year, where we saw the Knicks make a lot of poor decisions, a lot of decisions that reminded me of the Steve Mills era, like seeing a Kemba Walker contract, like believing in Kemba Walker the way that this front office did and having fans believe in them the way they did. That was, that was horrible. Like the Knicks front office should not have done that. That was a really old school move, but the new school part of it was getting him in on such a small deal that the money didn't even matter. to was halfway through the season. Um, like the deal of getting rid of all of uh, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks, all those poor contracts that we signed, getting rid of them within one year and using that money to sign Jalen Brunson. Like yeah. those moves make those novice moves that they made as an early front office seem like nothing because they made up for all those moves and they made better moves in the meantime. So, you know, they're not uh, abstained from any sort of criticism, but I'll say along with their criticism, They've done a phenomenal job to cover up the few mistakes they've made. So shout out to this front office. I feel like if they make an Eastern Conference Finals this year, which I hope they do, there's no reason that this grade for them so far shouldn't be an A. I've always been of that of that thinking that they're still at a B, B plus right now. But they really make that Eastern Conference Finals, especially with this roster. I don't I don't see any reason they shouldn't be an A minus A yeah, for a grading. It's so hard to hate on this team and. I mean, if you got that kind of person, I mean, yo, dude, like there are still people saying that Randall's taking shots away from OG Ananobi and complaining about that. I mean, like, come on, man. Like, you know, it's it's okay to not be bitter as a Knicks fan. And I'm speaking as a lifelong Knicks fan, it's easy to fall into that trap. It's, I'm not saying, yo, be positive, but like, it's hard not to be with this, with this roster right now. And I mean, let's, let's segue into the upcoming schedule because the Knicks right now, are 4-0 in 2024 and they've had a really rough schedule coming into this. They've had they've had they've had the most back-to-back games in the league and they've played the most road games and even then they're sitting right now in fourth in the NBA that the, I think that the rest of the way they have like the 10th easiest schedule or something, so something like that. Uh, so. I don't know, maybe. I hope so. I and I, I didn't look into that. You could be right. I think I saw it on Twitter or something. They're Upcoming schedule includes the next game being against the Blazers, then the Mavericks, then the Grizzlies, Magic, Rockets, Wizards, Raptors, Nets, Nuggets, Heat. So for January, actual teams that are in playoff contention, I mean, we'll we'll put the Mavs in there. That's one. The Grizzlies, the Magic, um, the Nuggets, the Heat. And that's it. So four out of the next, so about half the upcoming games are against teams that are in playoff contention. The other half are against teams that are not. So, you know that that that's positive. And then you know closing out into the All Star break, they got the Grizzlies again, and then the Mavs again, and the Pacers. So, yeah, the schedule doesn't look that bad, man. I if if the Knicks want to try to make a run they might be able to the the true tough game that i that i have my eye on is that nuggets game 
because I think all the other games before that are are winnable. They they got to get some retribution against the, the Magic. Uh, John Moran is back and Kyrie is back, so those Mavs and Grizzlies game won't be easy. But I think with the current team that we have, Brunson can light them both up. The Nuggets on January twenty fifth. That's one. That is two, four, six, eight, eight. You know, nine games away from now. So the Knicks for the next nine games have games that we can expect them to actually make some noise in. Yeah, I would say the only game I'm really worried about until that Nuggets game for sure is is that Mavs game. I feel like uh, a team with Luka and Kyrie could be could be a little bit of a challenge. But hey, uh, Jalen Brunson playing back at where he first started. Yeah. Julius Randle playing somewhere that you know he grew up, his hometown. So we could see something a little different. But yeah, I, I saw I checked Tankathon and uh, the Knicks are at twenty. They're they're the like the tenth. The they have the tenth easiest schedule uh, remaining. The hardest is for Portland, who's at the point five four zero strength of schedule. We're at like a point four nine two. And the Magic mm. have the easiest schedule left at point four six eight. So, um, I, and also if you're looking at this bottom like easy schedules, it's like the the playoff contending teams in the East that have that easy schedule left are, um, I think uh the Celtics who have the one two three fourth easiest schedule, uh the Cavs who have the seventh easiest schedule, us with the tenth, and then the Pacers with the eleventh easiest schedule. So. I'll hopefully it, it shakes out. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it shakes out for us to benefit. I mean, right now we're lo- we're we're sitting at the four seed because we were all tied in that conglomerate between the fourth to eighth, like eighth seed. It was this weird thing, but uh, beating the Sixers, I believe, and then winning again last night. Oh no, no, winning last night was the one that pushed us over to to that to that. And, the, and the Pacers right lost against the Celtics, so that also brought them down, notched them right. down one. Right. So we're three and a half games behind for. I don't even remember. I think it's first, or is it? We're 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 back in the fourth seed, and right now the Knicks have how many wins do they have right now? They're twenty something. Twenty one. Twenty one and fifteen. Fifty fifty piece coming this season, maybe, possibly. They've done it before. I think it happened. Yeah, I mean, as long as they're 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 out of the play in, which the Knicks have avoided somehow in the last few years. Um. That that'd be the ideal situation, I'd say. Like make that top six seeding. Uh the Knicks team seems like a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs. That that's all I'll say. That's, like that's they fact. they don't really seem like a team that you're excited to play. They seem like the opposite. They're gonna be a hard out, regardless of what round you play them in. And yeah. I feel much more confident in playing a team like the Heat now, now that you have a guy like OG Ananobi to guard a guy like Jimmy Butler. Or uh now you can neutralize one of Jalen Brun- uh, Brown and and uh, Jason Tatum, now that you have a guy like Ochi Ananobi on this roster. So last point before we wrap up this pod, I want to talk about a rumor that's going around for the Knicks and a player that they're interested in. And we mentioned it before, it was Malcolm Brogdon from the Blazers. I don't know his contract details maybe you have in front of you, but the in question... Two years, I, 20-something mil he has left. The question I want to ask you is what you're willing to give up to get Malcolm Brogdon on this team. Um, yeah, he has uh 22.5 million for the next two years. Um age being 31 and 32 for those two years Wait, of the contract. So is that 20 million that's 20 million total or is that 20 million? 22 per year? million a year. 22.5 million a year. Okay. So each year he's 45 mil two years. So um 
I'll say, I'll say I think there's better options for the Knicks to to acquire instead of Malcolm Brogdon, but I'm not fully opposed to the concept of adding Malcolm Brogdon because they need someone to take some pressure off of Deuce, off of Hart, off of DiVincenzo, off of other creators that are being asked to create when Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle aren't on the floor. And um, if I I think if they can get other a better player for um, a higher price, I don't mind. I just think. As long as whatever player they're acquiring is only requires a combination of Evan Fournier, like maybe Grimes and protected picks. I'm not willing to give up any of the Knicks unprotected picks. I think if, as long as we can cut a deal using the Mavs pick, using the Bucks pick, using the Wizards picks, I don't really mind who they add as long as it's another guy. They could add like as high as DeJounte Murray and as low as Tyus Jones. I don't mind. Or TJ McConnell. As long as it's a combination of just <laughs> the, the protected picks and Fournier, I'd be happy with that. I'd prefer not to even get rid of Grimes. That would be nice. And that's why yeah. I mentioned a guy like TJ McConnell or Tyus Jones, where you don't have to give up the upside of a guy like Grimes. But when you're looking at a deal for DeJounte Murray or for maybe Brompton, you have to look at giving up those. Or even Jordan Clarkson, for example, you have to give up someone like Grimes and Fournier is going to be in the deal no matter what. And the picks might have to be unprotected, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I'm on the same boat as you. I don't think it makes sense to give up Grimes if it's for a player that's not an all-star or an all-star caliber player. It doesn't make sense. I, yeah, I'm on the same boat. I don't know if Tyus Jones is in play. I think his contract is a little high and I don't know if he'd want to come here just to be a backup. Um, I think True. he, I think he played enough backup in um, Memphis in Memphis. And I think he want, he wanted to get out of that situation. Right, now, right. now he's a Washington. Hey man, that's, that's what you get. But yeah, for Brogdon, it looks like his minutes have been dropping over the last couple of games. And I think clearly the, the Blazers are preparing to make a trade with him to, to a team. Um, if he's on the Knicks, then that'd be awesome because he's, Kind of that plug-and-play player that's perfect to to come off the bench shooting 40% from the three. He can shoot and drop, you know, 15 to 20 points on most nights if he wants. It's just a matter of, you know, who who we give up. If we got to give up, if we can give a Fournier and, a, I mean, I, I feel like they're going to want Grimes because they're young. Yeah, team. and they're, they're getting rid of, like, like they're looking at Brogdon as like another asset part of that that whole game, all the that the whole trade the the whole slaughtering of the team they did over the summer. So um, they definitely are trying to get as many assets as they can. And I know I think they know they can't get the picks for him, but a player like Grimes, the way he's been playing, especially the last few games, they want a guy like that on their roster. I don't know if I want to give that up. I don't I, think I want to give that up for Brogdon. Honestly, I was much more open to it until I seen the last few games, and I'm like. Shit, I don't want to get rid of a player like Grimes. Like, why not let him continue to develop on this Knicks roster yeah. and add a guy like TJ McConnell? Because we don't really like. Yes, I agree. We definitely need backup creation, but I don't think we need some like supernova backup creation. Like, we just need someone who could handle the ball for ten minutes, even while Jalen Brunson's out, because you can uh, you can like consolidate two minutes each to guys like Hart to like. DiVincenzo to to bring up the ball. You can ask those guys to do something because you like because you have guys like that. You're not required to get Brogdon or Dejounte Murray and be like, hey, we need like 20, 30 minutes of ball handling from someone to give Brunson a break. Like we just need 10, 15 max. Like yeah, and come playoff time anyway, that player whoever is going to be isn't going to be getting those minutes because right. it's going to be all Brunson's minutes. 
we just want to take the the pressure off him pause for, uh, for the next uh couple of months yeah yeah it's really totally it agree so yeah i don't know who that player is yet at the moment i haven't done enough research but we know we know some people are we we got the front office to do it and hopefully they i have also to feel do. like the knicks are pretty aggressive in this in this front like it, it seems like this is the, the most logical move to go um i could also see them picking up like a backup center like a super backup center but honestly the way precious has been playing I know he's a restricted free agent, but he seems like a very competent NBA player in terms of defense. I know a lot of Raptors fans had a lot of bad things to say about him and his IQ, but defensively, he seems like he knows how to rotate and he knows what he's doing. So, so far, no complaints there. So I think as long as we have that, the Knicks aren't going to be really aggressive in trying to get a backup center because they're not going to get a starting center in this market. I think they're going to stick with Isaiah Harnstein. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't really see them going for someone as a backup center. It seems like that two guard role um, is, is is the one that they're trying to fill up, especially on the, on the bench. So um, yeah. I think they'll be fairly aggressive according to reports by Woj reports by, uh, by from Ian Begley, like from around the league, it seems like the Knicks are looking for that role to, to fill. Mm-hmm. All right, so that wraps up this episode of Nickish. We appreciate you guys checking us out. Make sure you give us that five-star review on all podcasting platforms. Check out our Instagram and Twitter at NickishNYC. And check out our website, nick-ish.com. Cop yourself some Nickish gear. Where's your next Nick's game? And, yeah, give us a shot, man. Until next time, take care. Peace. See you guys.